From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 206 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Welcome to the recovery community. If you haven't, go over to the YouTube channel. I post the podcast there every week. I post meditations and weekly videos all about anxiety recovery, self-help, self-development, and how to reach your best self, right? Don't we all want to? I mean, I'm passionate about this because I always, I always say this, I grew up, it felt like I grew up in a bubble, and now that I've developed these tools, I've learned these tools and techniques, man, I'm so excited to just, just to share them with you so that we as a community can be the, our best selves, be independent people who are not dependent on all of these external resources just to numb our pain, numb the, the, the resistance, numb the the discomfort. So in this Q&A episode, I'm answering some big questions that you need to hear today, okay? The first question comes from Malika. He's asking about self-sabotage, how to stick to the recovery path. Now I'm diving into habits, what makes up a habit and how we can break habits so that, well, we can move on and reach bigger and better things. The next question comes from Kartik and he says, how do you get rid of toxic relationships and how to say no, right? So how do you develop assertiveness? Which, you know, for me, this was a big thing to integrate into my personality because I'm a very agreeable per- per- person. I'm very, very agreeable. I want to fit in with everybody. But I noticed before my in my old ways, the wanting to fit in so desperately, it made me feel more weak as a person. It made me feel desperate. And now I've come a long ways. I, I say no. I know when someone is just not right for me who is toxic and how to how to keep my distance and not engage in that in that sphere of negativity okay so i'm answering that and then i'm going into a question from lavetta who's asking about cold showers and why take them and well i love cold showers mainly for the mental benefits it's huge So let's dive into Malika's question about healing. How do you motivate yourself and stick to the healing path? Even though I want to change my routines and behaviors, I somehow keep sabotaging my own recovery. Now, self-sabotage, Malika, it's part of the recovery journey. It really is. Failure is part of it because what you want to do is fail forward. You want to go up and down 
zigzag. It's like a zigzag journey, right? You, you're going somewhere and you go up a bit, but then you come back down, but then you go up and then you come back down. But even when you come back down over here, you're so much further down the path than you were a few months ago, right? So first of all, acknowledge that. You're for, wait, you've learned way more than the old you. But it's really important to dive into habits, right? And there are four stages to a habit. And James Clear makes it clear. See what I did there? James Clear makes it clear in his book, Atomic Habits. He says there's a cue, there's a craving, there's a response, and then there's a reward. The cue and the craving, they are the most difficult to pinpoint, right? Because we get so, well, habits become so reflexive, right? It's only after we do the behavior, we recognize that we have no control over it, that it wasn't really us. It was some, it was like this unconscious program that clicked on and we just played out the act and then we woke up after saying, oh, damn, I can't control this thing. I can't get a grip over this thing. It's beyond me. And, you know, that's that was the case with me with pornography, especially. I I would just wake up from the the act at the end of it and be like, well, what just happened over that last little while? Now... For me, another act that I'm currently battling right now, social media. And it's after going on Instagram, I catch myself and I'm like, oh, okay, what is the reward here? Because remember, there's the cue, there's the craving, response, and then the reward. So after the response, I'm thinking to myself, well, what was the reward here of going on social media? Well, there's the distraction social media gave me, the dopamine from the likes and the comments on Instagram, and then the anticipation of novelty. Because seeing that post of the person I'm following you know, but well, what else did they post? Is there something new? Is there something new? It's the anticipation of that novelty. So looking at the reward is really important at determining, well, the reasons behind the habit itself. Now, I want you to sit with yourself and I want you to ask yourself, what behaviors am I doing daily that I would like to stop, but I just, I can't seem to stop. And I want you to write this out on paper. So awareness is a really big step in breaking habits, being aware of the habit itself. Now, these behaviors, they are actions that have been repeated so many times that they are now automated, 
Our unconscious mind wants to automate us as much as possible. We are routine creatures. It's so easy for us to get into habits, especially very addictive habits like social media, uh, like pornography, like alcohol, weed, because, you know, it's, it's convenient to numb that discomfort with those things. It's so convenient and it's easy. And the brain loves to take the easy route. It does. The path of least resistance, right? So breaking out of that habit, it's going to cause a lot of resistance because now you have to learn new programs. You have to learn a new habit. You have to, you have to use more emotional energy to get out of that cycle of the old habit. Now, this is really, really, really important. Stress and boredom can greatly contribute to the habit that you want to break. And I noticed this within myself when I would go on social media are the times where I'm like, now what do I do? Now what do I do? And then I will go on Instagram. You also have to replace bad habits with new habits. If you're not going to watch Netflix, then what is the replacement? If you smoke weed, when you're stressed out, you will have to find another habit that will reduce the stress. Find the trigger. For me, there were certain times of the day I was watching pornography. Then when I felt the craving, I would go to the gym or I would go for a hike. So changing your actions throughout the day breaks the normalcy. I'll repeat that. Changing your actions throughout the day, it breaks the normalcy. I would also watch and listen to my mentors on YouTube or their podcasts because surrounding yourself with those who embody the lifestyle you want to live is important because you start to act and think like them. You also attach a lot of reasons to why you don't want to do the action and why you want to do this new behavior. And also that it's possible to live without that behavior. It's possible to live without the behavior. 1% changes every day. Those chip away at the cycle. Those chip away at the programs of your unconscious mind. Remember what I said before. Awareness will greatly enhance your chances at success. So stack the chances of success, which means you have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice that old behavior with something new. Now, I want you to write this down. Write these down for each of the habits you want to replace. Who are you with when you do this behavior? What time of day where are you when you do this behavior? 
then write, what would you do instead? Why is this better than the old habit? So for me, it was meditation instead of waking up and then stumbling downstairs to eat Cheerios. And with meditation, I was like, well, I would like to calm my mind. I would like to prepare myself for the challenging day. I would like to feel relaxed before starting my day. I would like to detach myself from the chaotic mind that would present itself upon waking up in the morning. So I would list those out. And then ask yourself, why is the old habit something you want to break? And you want your anxiety to be pushing you forward. You want your anxiety behind you, moving you forward away from the old habit. So attaching as much pain to the old habit as possible. With me and pornography, what I did, Malika, what I did was I bought books on the neuroscience behind porn use, right? Why porn was damaging to the brain, why it impacts your social anxiety and current relationships. So reading these books, I attached a lot more pain to pornography and thus it caused more of a distance. It it was pushing me away from the act itself. And that's where I'm going to leave you, Malika, on that question. Thank you for sending that in. The next question comes from Kartik. How do you get rid of toxic relationships? This is a big one. Negative friends. Toxic relationships, and most importantly, how to say no. It's way, it's very hard for me to say no to family members. Okay, Kartik, this is a really great question, and I'm passionate about this one because this is something I navigated, and I had many toxic relationships of my past that I had to move away from. Now, First thing I have to say is improve on yourself, Kartik. Improve on yourself. Keep growing. If your relationships do not support the developing you or do not grow alongside you, the dissonance between you and them will grow even greater. I'll give you an example. I've seen this with myself, but also with Maggie, my fiance. She stopped doing a lot of the destructive habits she well habits that she thought were destructive around her friends and so when she would get together with her friends she noticed that she had less and less things in common with them but also what was interesting that she noticed was that her friends started to distance themselves from Maggie and then I thought well why are they doing that why are they moving away from her because there's something about when you're improving on yourself that reflects so strongly back at the person it makes them look weaker right it's like 
if you improve on yourself and the other person is in a really dark place and a dark hole and they're not progressing in any way, then that light that's emanating from you, that serves as a judge, right? The, 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 here's a great quote. The higher the ideal, the harsher the judge. That's the best way to put it. The higher the ideal, the harsher the judge. So the distance between Maggie and her friends, it grew greater and greater because they didn't want to change. They liked hanging around and doing those habits that they would usually do. And so Maggie noticed that, well, my friends, they don't, they were mostly interested in the things we were doing rather than like me, like my growth and development. And I thought that was very, very interesting. And I noticed that within myself. The more I was grow- growing and and subtracting bad habits, the more I realized that, well, my friends, some of them, not all of them, some of them, they were resistance to this change. And it caused a lot of dissonance between me and them. And also I found out, this is really interesting too, I found out whether my friends are true friends. The more I improved on myself. And to me, Kartik, it seems like you already know that your friends are toxic. Okay? Toxic relationships. But I I don't... You haven't specified whether they're friends or family members. I know you said family members at the end of your question, but I'm just referring to friends here. I'll get into family members soon, but friends, I find, they fade away in time if they are not the right ones for you. But to only find out if they're the right ones for you, change, improve on yourself, sacrifice certain toxic habits and see what happens then you'll know if they support you or they don't support you now if it's family then the healthiest route is to put as much distance between you and them as much as possible and if that requires you to set goals of getting a job and moving out then that's what's required It's so common that family and friends attempt to pull you back into old ways. It's it's so common because they want you to come back down to their level. Because remember, the higher the ideal, the harsher the judge. And it takes a lot of courage and humility to recognize your own faults and insecurities and build upon yourself. So a lot of people don't want to do that. Now, here's what not to do. Rescue somebody who doesn't want to be rescued. This is huge, right? A big part of psychotherapy, a big, big part. Well, as a therapist, you don't want to force somebody to get better because you're just going to drown drown them and they already have they already have a shield around them okay they have a shield so all you can do is be the example 
If the person wants to change, yeah, they'll change. But if they don't, then do not try and force them any sort of change because the likelihood of you drowning with them is very, very high. Now, let's go on to saying no, because I really like this part of the question. If saying yes is making you feel weak, then saying no is what's required to stay true. You are deviating from the path when you turn a cheek to your own moral compass. Little self-betrayals result in a loss of self-respect. It will be more challenging to say no. And it's mainly from the excess energy required to resolve the disputes, if any, when you say no. And you also stand out as the black sheep. But you will feel stronger. You will feel stronger. Having a clear conscience when you go to sleep at night is worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's universally the case that telling the truth will make things better for you in the long run. If you don't tell the truth, then you become your own tyrant. The world you inhabit will become corrupt. You will get weaker and you will lose respect for yourself. So, what do you have to lose? Say no, and it takes practice. The more you say no, the stronger you will feel, and the more confident you will feel when you say no the 50th, the 50th time, the 100th time. You just have to start with the first no. And then a great question to ask yourself. Would my mentor do this or say this? So when you're in, in that situation and you don't know what to do, if, you're, if you don't know whether to say no or not, ask this question. Would my mentor do this or say this thing? Would my mentor say no in this situation? Thank you so much, Kritik, for the question. Lavetta asks, why on earth do you take cold showers? Now, Lavetta, I'm going to keep this short, and I want to give you just a brief answer to this one. But why I take cold showers is mainly for the mental benefits. Because I used to be a slave to my own thoughts. I used to be a puppet to my own thoughts. And the more you avoid situations that make you feel uncomfortable, well, you're just lowering your resistance, right? And then when you come into contact with challenges throughout the day, they're more challenging than they need to be. So I set myself up for challenges. 
at home. So when I go into a cold shower, what does my mind do? My mind generates 150 reasons why I shouldn't go into the cold shower. And sometimes I'll lollygag. I'll brush my teeth. I'll stand there near the sink. But then I'm like, you know what, Brad? Let's do it. Let's go in. So the cold showers, they're teaching me to bypass that voice that's that wants me to take the easy route. No, Brad, don't go in. Don't go in. Don't do this instead. Do that instead. But then I'm bypassing that voice and then I'm going into the damn shower. Now, what this is doing is training me for any of the challenges that will arise throughout the day. So when that voice comes back into my head, I will be on guard and it'll be more reflexive for me to bypass that voice and do the challenge, well, approach the challenge rather than shy away or ignore it or turn my cheek to the challenge. So the cold showers is a very powerful tool for me to strengthen that internal voice, the the voice that says, you know what, let's go in anyways. Let's go into the cold. And that's what's making me stronger. It's my mental self-talk. That's why I love to do it. There are health benefits too. I feel great afterwards. I, I feel awake in the morning. It energizes my body. A lot of people that I talk to who take hot showers, they say it makes them feel sluggish and more tired and, and comfortable. And well, that's the reason why I don't take hot showers. You can take hot showers at nighttime because it, it'll help you sleep better. But in the morning, it helps you start your day off on the right foot. You're willing to face uncomfortable situations. That's the main message of the cold shower. It's helping you confront those situations that you just don't want to confront. And you're more likely going to confront them throughout the day when you just set that momentum up for you first thing in the morning. And that's where I'm going to leave you on this Q&A. Thank you again for the great questions. And lastly, rise above anxiety. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.